Hello, this is Edgar Papke. And this is Ken Sagendorf. Welcome to the True Alignment Podcast. And where we talk about all things alignment. All of them, Edgar, all of them. All hey, of them. I must say that first thing, we need to have, I know you have a connection to the band The Skinny. Yes. I think we need a live, I think we need a live set. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. So, I agree. So funky. Puts you in such a good mood every time we intro. Every time. Just wonderful stuff. If, you have, if you've not checked it out on Spotify or what iTunes and I, I suggest you do. They've got a uh, they've got a good set of songs uh, that are available, and it's uh, the Skinny out of Boulder, Colorado. Just love it. Great band. Yeah. So um, we're here live in the Innovation Incubator in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University in Denver, Colorado. Yes, we are. We broadcast uh, weekly as best as we can. As best as we can. That's right. As best as we can. All things considered. <laughs> you might that might we might get in trouble by saying all things considered but we'll see oh well <laughs> you're in now <laughs> so hey edgar one yeah. of the conversations you and i were having earlier is that our local news station we must watch the same news in the mornings got a thing going all month about the great resignation yeah before that uh, the great resignation which would by the way is the great alignment from our vantage point. Uh, hi, Terry Gross. I hope you're well. Go ahead. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well done. Well, I get all the NPR characters. I'll just get them. Make sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we were talking, and we were we were we were mentioning that you know the news is is doing that report on the um, the weekly report on the Great Resignation, mm-hmm. which we call the Great Alignment, and they're kind of hammering the same things over and over and over again. We're, we're talking about this, this great alignment in a mm-hmm. very different, different construct. Yeah. Yeah. So right. share with the audience a little bit about how you're thinking about this idea of the great alignment and, and why we have the title of this podcast this week. Uh, it's all about me. Yeah. Because I think that's what it is. I think we've, uh, we're at a place where, um, you know, the great resignation is the great quit. Uh, people quitting, and I, I think very much so, and you and I have this conversation a lot about that it's really about people yearning for and seeking and exploring who they who they are and what being, who they, who they are, um, how to align to that and to live a life that's in alignment to the me, the, and being true to oneself. And one of the and we've talked about this before on this podcast, is one of the things that's happened here, we, we have a long history as human beings of moving more and more to an awareness of who we are, how we, how we think, how we feel, who we are at the core as human beings. And that's been our endeavor through history. And we've gotten better and better at it. With the advent of psychology, uh, certainly for centuries, we've been in pursuit of better understanding ourselves as humankind. And now we're at a place with the advent of psychology of what, maybe a century and a half ago or so, that we've, uh, we're on an accelerated path to that self-awareness, that self-discovery. And here we are since the 1960s, 1970s, with the self-help movement and greater levels of awareness that we've now moved into the age of awareness. We're there, and it's time for us really to be able to better understand 
ourselves and better align ourselves and that the pandemic has accelerated that it's accelerated that and so now we have an opportunity we have an opportunity where as individuals we can seek greater alignment and through that greater levels of fulfillment success by whatever definition we want to use but greater fulfillment and greater joy happiness in our lives so Edgar, uh, you, you know this craze that's going on right now with the Wordle? Yeah, I sure do. You're doing it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah me, me too. Every Lori day. and I, Lori and I are doing it, and uh, it's kind of fun when when we're able to, and which is regularly we have breakfast together, and there she is, and she's ready to do the Wordle. And boy, I'll tell you what, you want to see somebody get a competitive? Lori is so laid back; she's the Earth Mother, and when it comes to Wordle. Look out. <laughs> is she, so you guys, you do what? it. What? It took me you, more than three. You no. Do it, you, so you do it separately or that's how you judge it? How many, how many tries it takes you to get it? Uh, yeah, that's her. Well, that is the measurement, right? That I get it on the third shot, fourth shot, fifth shot. And uh, she's never happy with a five or really with a four. She's got it. She's going for the three. It just, and uh, it's intense. Yeah. I haven't, um, I'll share my strategy uh, you know, I, I start with the same word every day. Oh boy! Yeah, you know, because it's got enough letters in it where I can I can wiggle around it a little bit. And I don't know how other people do it. Um, one of the things that I know about myself, um, and this exacerbates me knowing this, is I tend to have a strategy right up until I don't, and then I try trial and error. Uh, Mike Tyson. Everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. That's right. Yeah, there's some of the great military strategic uh, <laughs> thinkers, right? I mean, everything everything works well right until the first bullet is fired. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I bring this up because, you know, I feel, help our audience understand where, you know, I think many of us are learning about ourselves, but you talk about uh, – the global pandemic of COVID um, accelerating this age of awareness. Mm -hmm. So what are we doing? What are we learning about ourselves now in a quicker fashion than we were before? Uh, that's a wonderful question. It's almost like asking how are we able to speed it up or do better than we did before? I, I think a lot of it has to do with that ongoing exploration of who we are as human beings. I think it begins with that. And we often say in, in our leadership development workshops and exec ed, we say that the Holy Grail, and uh, no, no uh, offense intended to anyone, that the, the Holy Grail of leadership is self-knowledge, self-awareness. And I think one of the one of the aspects that we see unfolding before us is that our capability and capacity to have a more open and engaging conversation about who we are and the value of self-knowledge and self-awareness, that we're able to, to do that because I think what we're doing is we're learning the importance of it. And that's been ever since Plato, Socrates. It's, it's always been yeah. there. But I think now there's a, there's a convergence taking place. One is that there's more and more of the language 
of self-knowledge, of self-awareness that's out there. And I think that's helpful. In other words, there's so many different schools of thought now that all really, in a way, um, are asking us to do the same thing, and that's better know ourselves and who we are. So that's one aspect of it. I think technology, knowledge, technology, uh, and the availability of tools and resources. And those tools and resources have helped to increase the level and, and the volume of the conversation of self-knowledge and self-awareness. Everything, And then you, of course, you know, that knowledge piece with TED Talk and TED, Ted and um, all, all the different vehicles out there. And... You know, social media, and social media is constantly reminding us to be aware of who we are uh, so that we don't lose ourselves and we don't get caught up in all the noise that, that's around us all the time. Yeah. Yeah, social media like the the, the great salt lick of self-awareness, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> You can't, yeah. you can't avoid your eyes, right? And, it, and the more you ingest, the more you want to ingest. And, it. The natu- yeah, and then the natural response to it, people not willing, wanting to be left out, people wanting to be liked and loved online and uh, a, a whole array of relationships that are out there um, that are very different from the relationships and friendships that we've had in the past. And so I, I find it to be just tr- truly remarkable what's happening uh, in the current context of our human existence, which, which I would offer, uh, is is uh, such an incredible opportunity, because if we can have a conversation, and step into into this world of fearless exploration, with ourselves and with others, how powerful that is that we can begin to confront, and be be able to by confronting better understand one another and better understand. Um, the various nuances of tribalism and religion and differing, differing forms of social philosophy that we can begin to, to have those kinds of conversations with an understanding of the depth that the depth of the origin of those of those systems of belief and being and then to better understand as individuals within ourselves as well as then realize that we're all the same. As, as corny as it sounds, we are all the same. We all have the same forms of desires and needs that we want met, which is what the me modeling and it's all about me really is about. It's how do I understand my self-concept? Yeah. I'll come back to, to a thought, but um, Edgar, the first time you and I, you and I conversed, um, you know, you kept pulling out the bar napkins and you were, and you were, you, bar you, napkin, there's an indicator of what we both like. <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed. Um, goes without saying at this point, doesn't it? The, uh, but, but you were, you were telling me about this kind of model of oneself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to put you on the spot here since we're broadcasting, not on video today, but, uh, um, just, just in, in recorded sound, help, help the audience members remember that kind of model of self. That you, that you talk about. Yeah. It begins with understanding our self-concept. So the model is, um, if you wanted to try it, just grab a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen and draw a stick figure. Put a smile on the stick figure, will you, in the head? And then um, draw a circle around it. And then draw a bunch of, start drawing little stick figures around it. 
And so you're at the center, and then all these other stick figures are the people in your life. Because your self-concept is how you're naturally wired and who you are and how you're nurtured, how it is that you're programmed based on the feedback. As we've said here before, don't take this personal as a big fallacy because ever since we're young, we take things personally. So we begin, if you were to look at that look at that model, that here you are, you're at the center, you have a circle around yourself, and around that circle you begin to add people. It begins with your parents. So draw a couple of stick figures that represent your parents. Then begin to think about all their influences on you, uh, including your sense of spirituality and your moral and ethical compass and what's right and wrong and good and bad and all the messages they gave you about, here's the things you ought to do. Don't do that. Do this. Do that. No, that's good. No, no, that's not very good. And all these messages. And then, of course, we start adding to it. And then we have other stick figures that we add, siblings. Add a couple of stick figures for the other elders in your life when you're a kid really influenced you, those authority figures as parents, as teachers, as coaches. And then you can already see what's what's going to happen here is you're going to keep adding stick figures. And that group gets more and more dense, and it gets louder and louder. And everybody's telling you who you are. And so you begin to develop a self-concept, and the self-concept is really your own perception of who you are that you carry day in and day out with you. We self-invent every day of our lives. And that becomes part of our self-concept. So we have some key ingredients here. One is, who am I socially? All those reminders, uh, everyone constantly reminding us of who we are and where we belong and where we don't belong. And of course, then we learn about hierarchy when we enter school. We start getting graded. And I don't know what your experience is. Mine was the smart ones went to the front of the room and then there were the rest of us who sat in the back of the room. <laughs> and, and so you begin to understand your place and, and your social self-perception and based on all that feedback and physical. You know, are you attractive? How do you, how do you dress? Are you dressed appropriately? Um, do you feel good about yourself and uh, how you show up? I like to say we all look in the mirror in the morning. Why? Because we know we're going to get feedback. And even if we're not getting feedback, we are well prepared for it, aren't we? <laughs> we're going to, you know, we're going to let everybody know who we are. So there's that physical self-concept, and then there's the, the spiritual, you know, which is really how am I grounded in my moral and ethical compass. And those were lessons of values, the core values that we carry with us. Which, by the way, according to child development psychologists, we got wired pretty early on in life, and we carry those with us. And uh, as I like to share, <laughs> you know, we got a lot of that by the time we were three or four years old from our parents, the rights and wrongs, the good and bads of life as we interpret them. And then my wife, Lori, sometimes she says, you know, you're acting like a three-year-old. I'm like, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, what'd you expect, right? And um, And then there's the the emotional being? Am I happy? Do I have joy? Am I living in joy or am I living in fear? You can't have one without the other, I suppose. And uh, that that's a whole part of our that self-concept. 
So as you look down at your paper and you see your stick figure in the middle with the circle around it, you're getting signals all the time. Some are, yeah, keep doing that. That works for you. Other signals say, nope, bad idea. And then within that concept, construct and then that circle, we also have who we naturally are. And this is the this is the the point that we get to where we recognize that we're all the same. We all have the same needs and desires. We all want to feel important and significant and be heard and fit in and be a part of and feel connected to others. We all want to be competent, know that we can succeed, and be capable. And as uh, Will Schutz and Fyro theory taught us, that <laughs> those two uh, are keys, are keys to how we see life. And then the third one being, am I lovable? Am I likable? Can I... And, and the way that we see ourselves living that is how open and honest, how vulnerable can I be to share what I think, see, and feel without people rejecting me. And there we are. And so that's the self-concept, that stick figure. And then if you were to extend that out and the model, the me model, it's all about me, is that that's who we all are. We are. We're makeup of that natural set of needs and desires and wants that we all have and all the feedback that we've gotten through life. And then every moment in our existence, sometimes I think that's kind of what dreams are all about too, but every moment of our existence gets channeled through that me. And then what do we do? We feel. Well, and that's interesting, right? Because I think that you know your idea that the great alignment is accelerating it's accelerating our understanding of ourselves Mm -hmm. coming through this lens of emotion. And, you know, as a parent, the number of times I have said to my children things that really mean don't be so emotional when in reality, (laughs) how could, how could they not? Right. It's so, it's so funny. Stop you being emotional. I know. (laughs) No shit. (laughs) Well, I'm thinking, you know, I, and always in the back of my mind, I'm always trying to figure out what the movie reference is going to be in this podcast, but, um, my wife and I, we are so different in these, uh-huh. in our perceptions. My wife can, can leave a show. I've seen her leave a show at the series finale level. Like we've watched every single episode for seasons. Yeah, I thought you were talking about when she shuts off this podcast. <laughs> Edgar, I can't get her to listen to the podcast. <laughs> I tell her I talk about her all the time too. So that, oh. that piques her interest more than anything else that I have to say, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but you know, we're such different watchers and I realize, I mean, I, you know, part of that intersection with other people is to figure out, am I okay with those emotions? Mm-hmm. Like I'm an emotional watcher of movies and TVs. They really, oh. they really stick with me because I am, I am, always asking questions about myself when I'm watching those movies, no matter what kind of characters I'm getting lost in, it's really selfish of me looking for um, asking questions about myself. You know, uh, the show and you and I talked about this, you know, Yellowstone. Uh So I'm a big, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. My wife won't watch it with me. She, she wanders in and out of the room. I try and watch it when she's not, home or she's gone to bed already or you know things like this but every once in a while she she wanders into the room and she can pick up enough to know really the gist of the characters but um you know I watch it because I grew up in the country not country like that but in the country Mm -hmm. 
where a lot of people I grew up with would have a lot of the characteristics of that family. Uh. And so the questions that I would ask is, where are the lines in the people I grew up with? You know, how did that person on the outside of my stick figure bubble, Yeah. how did that person influence kind of the things that I know and I feel? Yeah. And it's inevitable. I yeah. mean, that is. And then um, the, the old adage of you, you shouldn't care what other people think. Really? Aren't you telling me that right now? <laughs> that I should care? Yeah. About what you think about that? <laughs> 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 it's kind of a little trickery there. Um, yeah. A- and so, yeah. I think at the end of it, uh, what, what, what we're all striving for, and this is how it's showing up in the, in the great alignment, is that we know when there's a gap when we're not getting what we want. In other words, you take that stick figure and you say, well, that's me, my values, my beliefs, my self-concept of who I am. And by the way, self, self-esteem is a measurement of how well are we living up to our ideal self-concept, what we're self-inventing towards every day of our lives, and how well am I living up to that? Am I, do I have a, a sense of satisfaction with what I'm getting from the world that fulfills me? And when I'm not getting it, that's low self-esteem. That's when I get defensive. That's when I can get angry and resentful uh, because I'm not or, or ultimately disappointed to the point of depression because I'm not getting my, what I want. And then high self-esteem is when I'm confident that I'm behaving in a way I'm getting signals from all those stick figures around me that say, yeah, you're, you're on the right track. So well, I feel satisfied. Well, what happens to us, and this has so much to do with the great alignment, is when we're not getting that that level of satisfaction, that we emote that. That feeling gets emoted. That's our emotional being, and then that translates into our behavior. Then we behave in certain ways to try and get what we want. Is this... And, yeah. And that's the moment of choice. Well, and I, you know, I just so many questions right now. I, I wonder if this isn't, right? I mean, societally, we have a lack of engagement that has been occurring, right? My, my, grandfather's, my grandfather's age, they were socially engaged and involved in so much, right? They were members of, of these clubs. You know, he was a World War II veteran, so, you know, he was with the VFW and the American Legion and the Rotary Club and the Kiwanis Club and the Masons and, you know, all of these kinds of social things. And we know there's there's data to support that social memberships have decreased over time. Uh, the book Bowling Alone is a wonderful book. If you haven't read it, is is a fantastic book talking about how these kind of social things have have decreased, right? Maybe here in Colorado with the with the breweries, we're bringing a little bit of it back. But, um, you know, in reality, we just don't belong to the same social fabrics that we do. And so, you know, we don't have the opportunity for the grand scale of feedback, the grand scale of the signals back to us to frame and reframe ourselves. And so part of this opportunity for the great alignment, Edgar, and, and, and you know, the the folks that are really thinking about themselves, who's got the responsibility? And I wonder a lot of times if if businesses have taken it upon themselves to have the responsibility 
to be that kind of feedback to their employees. And this is the work we do, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we talk to people and say, and we always get to a culture conversation. Yes. I mean, that's part of our alignment framework. But we get to that culture conversation. That's the one where people, they, you know, immediately they kind of, they step back from that part a little bit because I'm not sure they always want to touch it. It's a little third raily for some of them to touch the culture piece. When you touch culture, you touch emotion. And when you touch emotion, you're touching, you're touching the human being. Yeah. So what, uh-huh. what prevents people? What prevents people from touching, oh. touching emotion, in, you know, especially in a job setting? I mean, part of all of this opportunity for great alignment that has come from the great resignation, the great quit, is that emotionally people are not getting feedback they, they need to improve themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And we look at it and, you know, the data says, well, what people are missing are opportunities for career pathing and whatever that whatever satisfaction is at a, at a personal level that you're going to get from that. And, and there's the, uh, the idea of, of learning and development and not just from the standpoint of am I gaining competencies, it's from the standpoint of how do I feel about myself? Am I growing? Am I developing? What is my, what is my desire for fulfillment? So I think the, the, the great alignment is people actually, there's a, a level of emotional awakening that's occurring and, and we're able to, 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 to use the most powerful thing in our lives, which is choice. See, the more aware I become of what I'm seeking and what I want and what fulfillment is about, the more I recognize when I'm not getting it and that I need to make a different choice. I need to see my life differently and begin to live my life differently which means my choice of behavior, the things that I do or say. But I think you've just hit on so many wonderful themes that we can probably explore going forward on the podcast. One is that engagement is so, what about social engagement? Is now social engagement coming through the media? And who's responsible for it? Yes, we're responsible for it as business leaders To, And that's the big question is, you know, how do I increase engagement? Well, you can ask people. Um, whether they're engaged or not, I think the more important question is, what are they seeking? That What fulfillments are they seeking through that engagement? And I think we've got a bunch of opportunities there that we can explore that further. And I think your other, what I thought when you said that, you know, are companies responsible for that? Then I think, well, you know, there's Facebook out there. There's a, there's a, there's a host of, of, of ways and providers of, of uh, engagement just at a different level in a different way. Yeah. And does it actually formulate what our sense of satisfaction ought to be and how well aligned or misaligned is, is that with the reality of what it is that we're really seeking? In other words, are we being told what engagement looks like? Are we being told what satisfaction really looks like? Or are we exploring it and finding it for ourselves by our own definitions of what love and accomplishment and successes and engagement and community connectivity? So, so I got the I got the lightning bolt for the movie reference ah. in this last patch of conversation. Um, you know this because I the, the words that have been rolling around in the back of my head is that you know it is a little bit of. The age of awareness isn't the age of, you know, it's awakening from something. Yeah. Um, from some level of 
of numbness. You know, um, there's a conversation in the tech space about automation is still going to need humans. And, you know, here, here in our executive ed, what, how we do it in our true alignment work, in our education we offer through our Anderson College of Business and Computing, you know, one thing comes true is that business is still human and will always be. We can automate all the pieces, but at the end of the day, business will be human. Absolutely. Well, so here's the movie reference, right? It's Wally. And admittedly, uh, you know, I see. I, I thought you were going for Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, that's a good uh, one too. I mean, I, um, you know, that one was maybe a little bit more apparent. But I'm thinking in Wally, and I just have to say that my wife and I, I think we're a little embarrassed that we like the animated movies so much more than my children do now, as they're you know hitting their twenties, um, because it feels weird to be a parent and watching <laughs> animated movies by yourself. <laughs> but um, they're so good. They do such a good job with them. But in, in Wally, when they've taken all the humans and they're, and they're up on the ship mm-hmm. and they're being lulled into a constant good being, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and I don't, was it John Ratzenberger, um, the voice of Cliff from Cheers is, you know, is the character on the ship and he's, um, yeah. I hope I have his name correct. He's, uh, you know, they're in the recliner and they're delivering them the big gulps of drinks and, you know, everything's good and they're showing them the entertainment to kind of numb them. And it isn't until someone falls out of the chair in the daily um, lounge chair parade that, you know, he realizes that, oh, he can walk and ride the scooters again and things like this, right? I mean, it was that awakening. Right. So new input was coming back to him and the concept of self was changing. So, you know, I, I bring that movie up because I think a little bit of, you know, businesses in the sense of automating things so often have built replaceable part models. I, I'll, I'll be 100% honest with you. This is why, this is why I don't work for, for the military anymore. I was welcomed into that organization, told that I was bringing something that they, they didn't have. Five years in, I realized that anybody could have come in and done the role behind me. Mm. And I think that's a, that's a piece of feedback in that, right? I mean, that's a very challenging one emotionally to know that you, you are not as special as you think you are. Or someone's trying to tell you that. And, and that's a great reminder of, of the uniqueness that we all carry. You, know, you could call it special, you could call it unique. You could call it individualism. You can call it a lot of different things. But at the end of the day, the me matters. It does. Because that's our experience of life. It is through ourselves. And to be able to have that awareness and that awakening, what it's really doing is, is prompting us to say we have choice. We can, we can choose to dance when we want to dance. That's your power, right? Yeah. That power of choice. It is. The one... The one thing is I'd like to say that no one can ever take away from you as long as you're cognitive and have that ability to think and have any level of awareness. You have, the, you have the power of choice, the most powerful thing in life. We can be threatened. We can claim to be forced. At the end of the day, we choose. And I think that's what the, what the great alignment is about is that people are coming to that place of awareness to say, I get to choose. I do. I just, um, I just don't have to fill a role. The, the purpose in filling any role in any organization is to fulfill my, my sense of 
truth to myself and who I really want to be. And that at the end of the day is where I think we're at. And that we have a convergence of technology, the pandemic, so many different forces coming at us. And it's, and including what's happening in Europe and, and of late with Ukraine and it's grabbing us by the collar. It's grabbing us by the shoulders and shaking us and saying, wake up. We have choice. We can do better than this. Yeah. And, and that's finding it's, and that's finding very simply that in every single one of us as, as individuals and how powerful that is. So we have to get to that. We have to get to that point where the emotions have led us to a choice and we've made an action. We've made an action because of those choices. Yeah. Yeah, we speak the language of emotional intelligence quite a bit, don't we? Mm-hmm. Only to recognize what's it, what's it for. Well, it's to evoke the power of choice. Yeah. Well, and those behaviors that come from that power of choice, really, they, they lead into your influence. They do. Because all of our behaviors in life are intended to influence others to get satisfaction of the me. It's it's the ongoing process. We feel, we think, we act, we choose to act. And why do we behave the way we do? All those stick figures in our lives, uh, all those stick figures, we're looking to get the feedback that we seek so that we can feel good about ourselves, feel satisfaction. Edgar, I don't know that I've shared, and Jim, I don't know if I've shared this with the both of you. I have a line of my research, which is about um, a particular program that I got to experience, and it's part of uh, part of my world here at Regis that really is an awakening-style program. And I am studying, there's a great... <laughs> there's a large number of people that choose to leave their positions after that program. And I think you just helped me kind of break through on how to ask that question because I've always, you know, I just wanted to acknowledge and I've been talking with the people that run the program for years. You know, we should ask why, you know, what makes somebody finish this wonderful, wonderful personal experience of a program and then decide to leave the organization that provided the program for them. And it is really this kind of great awakening, mm-hmm. this, this great alignment, this idea that I, I have new feedback from the, the people and the things outside my bubble, mm-hmm. and now I see myself differently. It's, it's an interesting, thank you. Thank you for giving me uh, a lens at which to look at this. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Yeah. It's all about me, Edgar. <laughs> Which is an apt title for today. It's all about me. Yes, it is. Because if I can't li- align to myself, I need to be able to seek that that alignment of self because um, everything else flows from there. Uh, the, I think the truest form of flow is alignment. I, th- I think when we're in the flow... We're, we're aligned. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Well, Ken. Whoa. Whoa, Edgar. It's a deep one today. <laughs> we're at the end of another conversation <laughs> here. And, um, and so in closing, 
just remind everyone out there that uh, you're welcome to join us here uh, on the podcast. All thoughts, comments, questions, it's all welcome. Uh, communicate with us and we'll communicate back with you. And um, we'll see you next time around. Uh, this is Edgar Papke. This is Ken Sagendorf. Thanks for listening to the True Alignment Podcast. And we'll see you next time. Take care of yourself. <laughs> <laughs>